0: What's up, everyone? Welcome to Start Mindsets Podcast. This is Dan, joined uh, by Earl Valencia, the co-host here, and special guest here today. We have Beryl Chavez. Um, say hello, Beryl. Beryl.
1: Oh, hi. Hi, Dan.
0: Hey. Um, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, it'd be great to get your perspective on uh, uh, sort of uh, startups in the Philippines and what your experience has been there, but First, I think it'd be great to just for the audience to get a good sense of um, who you are personally. A uh, little mix of a career slash um, just uh, who you are as a person.
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, just, just to, to give some context, right? Like, I mean, uh, for startup mindsets, we're looking for people that you know, have built or was part of startups, uh, or lived in many places in the world, right? Because we think that uh, having a startup mind is not just like being in Silicon Valley or, or whatnot, right? It's actually everywhere in the world. So when when we thought about this thesis, um, there's actually a few people that are buying, but obviously Beryl came to one of the top about this because you know she lived in many places. I mean, she grew up in Manila. You know, she went to school uh, in the UK, the top schools in the UK, built some businesses there, um, worked in some startups in the Philippines, and also uh, lived in Silicon Valley, right? And very few people in the world can say uh, that. Uh, but one thing, too, is that, you know, Beryl's one of my, you know, really good friends, really knew each other already for probably close. Almost 10 years already, Beryl, which is wild, right? Wow, that's <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, I mean, I remember when, you know, we were just building up the Philippine startup uh, ecosystem, and uh, she just came back from, uh, I guess, UK and, and Hong Kong, and, uh, you know, we thought about where this could be. And one interesting tidbit is that uh, share, uh, Beryl actually uh, wrote the uh, one of the very first um, Philippine startup roadmaps for the country, right? So, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, so literally the um, the, the Philippine uh, startup ecosystem um, wouldn't have been officiated by the government if Beryl did actually spend the work uh, to do that. So uh, we all have to thank her for doing it and obviously um, continue to find out what she's uh, gonna build and building in the future. So uh, thanks for giving your time uh,
1: to us, Beryl. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Earl. <laughs>
0: Um, yeah, so um, I think, Beryl, what I was curious about was um, sort of uh, how how you got involved initially with um, startups, and I know you founded Coins PH, but uh, maybe a great place to uh, get to know your perspective would be um, uh, your your experience. Uh, I guess education-wise, and then how that transitioned to you, uh, you and coins.ph.
1: Ph. Right. And, um, and even a
0: uh, corporate corporate work also.
1: All uh, right, right. So um, so after university, I think that's when um, I really started my career in, in tech. Um, after university, under my uh, my undergrad and, uh, I was really fascinated with um, technology, particularly. Uh, Weixin, which is WeChat, um, a lot of uh, you know Alibaba, a lot of like tech companies in China. So I've decided to uh, spend a little time in Shanghai, uh, where I spent um, a year and a half. Um, I actually interned for an ed tech company, um in Chang. It's like a, an area in in Shanghai where it's been sponsored by government. Uh, to, uh, you know, to fund a lot of these tech entrepreneurs. So um, after about two months uh, getting, you know, um, an experience in a Chinese um, a tech startup, um, I bumped into uh, the, you know, like um, friends, I met friends who wanted to get into the venture capital space, right? And so um, after my gig in, uh, in you know, uh, in that edtech startup, I decided to join, uh, this, uh, the, uh, you know, um, Asia. so we're looking at very early stage tech companies across China and Southeast Asia were the first uh, crowdfunding platform that established in China. Um, obviously, you know, after a month, two months, uh, there were already a lot of, um, competitors coming in. Like, um, the Chinese market was really competitive. Um, so while the, the other founders were based in, um, in, in Shanghai, looking into, um, that scene, I was focused on Southeast Asia startups and that's how I came back to the Philippines. And that's how I actually met Earl, uh, when he was running, um, idea space, uh, from, uh, uh with smart. Right. Um, so while I was actually looking and trying to understand the startup ecosystem, um, in the Philippines, um, I've decided to write reports, uh, with a world startup report, you know, uh, detailing oh, cool. the startup, you know startup reports in various countries. So we've done Brazil, China, the Philippines, Malaysia. Um, you know uh, where else? Uh, Portugal. You know um, where uh, the founder Bowie has been traveling all over the world, right? Trying to understand different um, startup communities from around the world. So I was really fascinated. Um, so I was in Cebu uh, writing up. You know a lot of these reports. It was You're mostly in Cebu.
0: You said. Sorry. Where are you yeah. writing? In um, you were writing reports. Oh, I was in, in
1: Cebu. That's yeah. that's where
0: my family's from. So that's 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 great.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, amazing beaches, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I could use a beach now.
1: <laughs> yeah. So while we were, you know, doing a lot of like research, um, a lot of our work was also remote. Uh-huh. Um, we we're, you know, uh, talking to a lot of these uh, uh startup founders from our, you know, from around the world. Uh, we were based in Cebu. Um, oh, I was there yeah. for about five months. And then um, I've decided um, I want to take this uh, this program. Uh, So it was a so I spent a quarter in Stanford. um, And that's how I uh, that's how I got to meet a lot of uh, really interesting uh, founders and entrepreneurs um, in the Bay Area. Uh, Yeah, coming out from like incubators. Um, so one of our advisors from uh, from you know from Seed Asia, uh, he used to be a partner at um, Andreessen Horowitz. Uh-huh. So uh, gave me a lot of insight on um, you know on on like operations in the Bay Area. Um, so that's when I became really interested in cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. uh, Bitcoin particularly. And it just so happened that it just so happened that. Um, Uh, friends of ours whom Earl also knows uh, Ron Ho uh, was actually looking into uh, Bitcoin as an infrastructure to move funds right and so he asked me oh why don't I actually go back and help out Um, it was a difficult decision because um, I really wanted to stay in the Bay Area but at the same time you know um, I had to sort out the, you know, the my work visa, which was right. not sure. the right time of the year, so I really had to go back to, you know, the Bay Area uh, just for that. So I decided, okay, I'll just spend time in the Philippines. Uh-huh. Um, but as soon as I started uh, helping out at Coins.ph, mm-hmm. I was entrepreneur in residence. Um, I was looking into, I, I built like the marketing team, operations teams. Um, I was looking at uh, partnerships as well, uh, looking at uh, the remittance corridors. Uh, you know, Bitcoin as an infrastructure to really move uh, remittances. Uh, so I was spending a lot of time in Hong Kong, Taiwan, um, looking at uh, effective exchange rates, uh, you know. Um, so that was really fascinating. And we actually ended up moving. Um, so, you know, coins was probably the biggest cryptocurrency exchange at that time Um, in 2015, 2014, yeah. 2015. And then now uh, we look into uh, building uh, consumer wallets. And then that's how we actually ended up in payments, right? Um, after that, I've decided to uh, go to the UK um, for my master's. Right. I so I did my to master's to in Cambridge. finance. At, that's right. Yes. Uh, okay. So I was writing my thesis uh, towards the end. i pretty lucky because um, I had really great, a, a really good supervisor, uh, Jack Lang. So he was the... He's the, he's co-founder of Raspberry Pi, right?
0: Oh, um, bought by Google, I believe, yeah. right?
1: That one? Uh, so there are a number of fascinating companies um, within like the Cambridge cluster, and the science cluster. So you have Arm, right, which was actually acquired by SoftBank by about $32 billion in, in 2016, right? Um, and then I think last year, um, a year and a half ago, they've announced um, an IPO. So after two years, they're kind of like valued at $90 billion, wow. so times two years. Um, so you have like a number of really fascinating technologies, um, especially in the life sciences uh, within Cambridge. Um, that's when I, uh, that's when I've decided to uh, launch um, a new startup uh, that I was uh, thinking about, uh, which is also based on the thesis that I've written uh, back in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly like secondary markets on the blockchain so that's when I founded uh, CapChainX, right? With two of my co-founders um, who were actually based in the Bay Area. Um, they were, uh, yeah, they were based in the Bay Area. So I was uh, traveling between uh, London and, and, um, and San Francisco. Um, really interesting because in 2017, um, a number of companies started doing their ICOs and um, the nature of our business is really tokenizing um, assets. Uh, We focused on equity and then eventually uh, we started looking at tokenizing other assets such as, you know, debt, debenture, um, real estate. And uh, so towards the end, uh, we've had about 15 clients. Um, So we've been doing their white papers, uh, helping them structure their token economics. Um, And then uh, we also, uh, we've been building um, their smart contracts as well. Um, and then while we were doing that, we also had the self-service tokenization platform. Um, towards the end, um, you know, in 2018, we've decided to uh, to sort of um, step down and um, a new company sort of like took over um, building uh, CapChain and rebranding it to um, Originator X, right? So they're based out of uh, Canada. They do cross-border RMB payments. Um, they do... Uh, uh, it's a joint venture between uh, SmartCard and Axpay. So SmartCard um, is publicly traded in the OTC market in New York. Um, they've been building a lot of banking technologies, so um, we thought that it was just uh, it was it was just like a perfect situation where um, mm-hmm. we believe that they could actually grow um, CapChain uh, further, Originator X uh, further. So um, So shortly after that, I decided to, uh, you know, uh, move back to Manila. And then I started consulting for uh, Union Bank's um, innovation arm, UBX. So I started building their uh, investment platform, uh, which is comprised of two parts. The first part is a bidding platform, like an auction uh, for for foreclosed assets. Uh, That's because uh, Union Bank has a has an I platform which partners with a lot of rural banks across the Philippines. Um, and then they start targeting, uh, so they've actually tested out, um, the blockchain in remit, uh, remitting international funds to these rural banks, uh, just because it takes over like 30 days, uh, just to settle, uh, settle transfers uh, with rural banks. Right. And it, and because of the loss in banking in the Philippines, you always have to, uh, you need to transact with a commercial bank too, right? So there's just so many um, processes before money actually reaches a, a rural bank until it actually reaches the recipient, right? So, um, so I thought that, so the platform, the auction platform was just suitable for that, the network of rural banks because of uh, uh, foreclosed assets of uh, the, the, the bank's network um the second part was mostly like a crowdfunding uh, platform um, um where we are currently out with uh you know uh five villas right now um the farm uh it's a you know a 300 million peso uh, project right now which we're currently tokenizing uh we'll see how it goes uh given covid but um yeah. it's very exciting so so yeah so that's it and um oh yeah so Aside from my consulting gig uh, with Union Bank um, and building that platform for them, um, one of my clients at Capchain before uh, we sold uh, you know the technology, uh, we had a client uh, called Studex right and then I slowly became much more involved uh, in this project so we 're tokenizing endangered uh, wildlife uh, and uh, proceeds uh, so it's still a crowdfunding platform but then um, the assets are actually uh, highly valued endangered wildlife. And a lot, of the, a portion of the funds actually go back to farmer. Uh, it also goes into uh, cloning uh, Sudan. So Sudan is actually the last male white rhino. Uh, so there are two females existing, but then the male is already, uh, the last male has, uh, has passed away uh, last wow, year. I
0: didn't know that. So this yeah. is
1: actually extinct yeah so um we plan to actually bring back uh sudan uh through a cloning process um which I think is really exciting uh yeah so uh so that uh it's the project is actually based out of south africa
2: mm, yeah so so maybe my my thought pro seems that uh, beryl, you've had so much experiences you know starting up companies in many different uh, kind of verticals industries, geographies. Um, And again, this, the, the, the theme of this, this podcast is startup mindset. Like, like, I mean, what really, in your opinion, is the mindset uh, in order for somebody to start a company or a business? Because a lot of people seems there's a barrier, but for you, you're super comfortable doing it.
1: Oh, um, I would say you need to have a growth mindset, right? Um, I think throughout Being an entrepreneur um, throughout that entire journey, there will be a number of many failures along the way, right? So you need to be forgiving uh, and forgiving of yourself. And, um, you know, you need to be determined to really learn. Um, I would say that um, as an entrepreneur, you probably need to have grit. Uh, You need to be passionate as well with what you're doing uh, because through passion, um, that's how you seek knowledge, right? And, um, the third kind of like trait that I think is really important about entrepreneurs is really humility. That's because, um, you need to know what you're really capable of, um, when you actually need help, uh, when you should be able to tell a client, for example, this is something that I would not be able to do, Mm. but I could try. I, you know, I think um, some sort of humility, to be honest, uh, I think is uh, really important.
2: Great, and I guess um, you know, uh, before I turn it over to Dan, I'm curious, like, where did this come from, right? Like, was this something from an experience during childhood, in school, um, in your first job, right? Like, where did you learn that you know you are an entrepreneur, and you, know, you have these types of mindsets?
1: Right. So I came from an entrepreneurial home. Uh, My dad is an entrepreneur. I've seen him uh, through ups and downs throughout his business. Uh, So while I was a student uh, studying, I've always seen him. Um, He would always take me around with him in meetings, you know, so I already had that exposure um, at a young age, um, at the age of seven, for example, Uh, my dad would actually ask me to go to um, his hardware store. So I was a telephone operator with probably 20 uh, phones. (laughs) (laughs) There were like 20 phones. I was, you know, like answering every call uh, and that hardware. So we do a lot of like retail and um, wholesale. So these are like generator sets. Um, So that was my training when I was seven years old. And then when I was growing up, uh, my father uh, always uh, took me to his, uh, to his, meetings, conferences. So I think that's where the, the the exposure came from. And so when I was uh, you know uh, grade school in grade school or in high school, I started becoming a little bit more entrepreneurial. I started like selling, for example, cupcakes here or there. <laughs> uh, I know that it's probably just like twenty pesos or thirty pesos, <laughs> right? but then you know um, I think I was really fascinated just because um I felt that. You know, it was closer to what my dad was doing. So I was just like copying him. Um, so there, and then I don't know, like uh, when I was in college as well, um, I I would think that majority of my classmates wanted to actually go into consulting and investment banking. Um, I thought that banking was uh, really, really interesting um, because of... Uh, you know, um, the deals that you could actually, like, bring onto the table and close. I thought that it was uh, fascinating. But at the same time, you know, when I had to choose uh, between, um, you know, a stable job, for example, in London, Um, I actually chose to go to uh, China um, just because I felt that that's where the growth is. Um, This was post-financial crisis, right? Uh, So the West was not really doing very well. And then... um, So I'm partly Chinese, right, and um, I felt I'd like to go back and, you know, uh, like,
0: get get, get involved with uh, your home, your home, your home country. Yeah, Yeah, I felt
1: like um, there's probably a connection, you know, somewhere in China. I really (laughs) wanted to learn more about, (laughs) you know, the language, the culture, right. And um, so my dad is, you know, um, is Chinese, right. So I'm third generation uh, Philippines. Um, so they've been really entrepreneurial. Right. And, um, you know, um, I've met a number of um, immigrants as well, uh, and they own massive businesses, for example, for for sure. So I felt that maybe this is where I'm really going to learn real entrepreneurship So at the same time. Right. Instead of getting into the traditional side of business, I already knew that I was really interested in, um, next generation technologies. Then my background was not really in technology, so I did economics and finance. So I just felt that it was and um and trace back my roots back in China. So that's that's how I spent like a venture capital, like um early wow. stage investing.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's such a interesting story, Beryl. I have a question on that. So did you learn anything? Uh, being in the UK that you were able to I guess apply into the startups that you were in in Southeast Asia or China or even uh, Your day-to-day life that um, Added a lot of value Because I know there's a big culture shift right from like Europe Yeah
1: To be honest uh when I first uh, came to uh, England that was in 2008 when I was a student, okay and um, that's true. There's a culture gap. Um, everyone in the UK is just really straightforward.
0: Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's opposite here. You know,
1: no, what you actually need, what you want, you know, okay. and if you actually want something, you know, you can't. You know, in Asia, it's very different, right? Like, uh, you're really polite, you're really a nice. Bit more conservative, just, I would think. Yeah. Uh, Uh, especially for people who are much older than you (laughs) um in the uk it's very different uh they have like um they value meritocracy and i think it's also the same for the u.s right Mm. um it doesn't matter what your gender is it doesn't matter if you're uh you're younger you're older you're female or you're male right so um for me i became more comfortable more confident um in that sort of setup because i feel that i felt that my voice is always heard right um and then every time that i return back to asia oh i need to be polite again i need to sure. say yes to everything. Sure. <laughs> 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 yeah so uh yeah so there's definitely um you know a gap in uh, in culture
0: right do, do you feel like um you know, when you were doing entrepreneurship or working in the startups in, uh, the Philippines and Singapore and China, do you feel like, um, the mentality was a little bit more conservative or is that a wrong impression that maybe I have from just living in Silicon Valley that, uh, the, uh, uh, technology perspectives here are much more aggressive versus, mm. uh, uh, where, where, um, you were living in at the time over in, uh, Asia.
1: So within um, the startup culture as well, or within uh, you know the corporate space, um, uh-huh. it's very. Different. So in the US, for example, uh, when I was living there, uh, people valued a flat organization. So again, meritocracy. Uh, when you go to the UK, uh, I would say they do have a very strong corporate um, culture mindset. Sure. But be really professional okay right um in the way that they communicate you know um they draft contracts right um but again i would say that they also really respect um those who are younger you know um mm-hmm. so there's uh so there, this is Silicon Valley, right and then yeah. i think that when there's like gender and all um london is there too when you go to china for example the boss is the boss right right it's really a triangle. That. Um the boss is the boss, right? I feel like you that,
0: that hinders innovation and I think um sort of what Earl and I were thinking about having a chapter dedicated to in the book would be um about uh the digital digital shift within organizations and larger companies. Um I know you, you worked at BlackRock, right, for a, a little bit.
1: Yeah, so um I consulted for uh BlackRock
0: um, for a project. Got, gotcha. And uh I think maybe what I've heard or read and I guess what Earl Earl has uh, also also mentioned um, before is how big corporations have some people who have entrepreneurial tendencies and uh, those tendencies often get held back due to uh, bureaucracy or red tape. Um, Maybe if you had any similar experiences or kind of instances where you wanted to apply new ideas within a big corporation? Um, How, how that, how has that gone? Or how have you seen it gone? uh, During your time at big, big companies?
1: Uh, Oh, wow. You know, um, I have a lot to say, but. um,
0: Yeah, we'd love to hear.
1: (laughs) Okay. So how do I word it? Um, I think they, they, whether you're with a big corp from experience, right? Being with a mm-hmm. big corporation versus being in a the startup, um, they do have different objectives. As a startup, you need to grow, right? Um, and there's nothing to lose because you have nothing. Yeah. <laughs> if you go to a corporation, <laughs> you have resources, just don't lose anything. You <laughs> know what I mean? So, um, So they're more conscious about expenses, uh reputation um losing their banking license or you know um they're more conscious with yeah uh-huh. really like reputation so they don't they don't have that capacity to take on risk right uh especially if they're a public company too um yeah. they can't it, it, it's just a corporate and yeah uh it's just you have a few verifiers as well. When you want to do something, you need to ask permission and the red tape is enormous. You know, you have to go through different uh, approvers, checkers, right? If you want to send something to a supplier, you want to uh, send funds, for example, everything has like uh, permissions and it could take really long, right? But that's the nature of a corporation just because they need the check and they could not lose, right? They have a lot, right? Especially with reputation. So uh, they they are more cautious. Whereas in a startup, you probably only have like ten employees, right? It's ten of you in the startup. It's very flat. Um, more flexibility. Um, so you won't, like, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Um, there's I a mean, lot like, of them. Yeah, I know. guess.
2: burials, The thought process here is like you know how can you be an entrepreneurial person within a large corporation right um it's it's kind of a mystery right it seems that it's uh, it's either or um or, or is it not an either or right um what are your thoughts earl <laughs> yeah. yeah no i mean i think uh well that's a good it's good that you asking me it's funny right but uh
1: you know, because, because for you me, you you have yeah, because, like both some um, experience, yeah. too, right? So I'm yeah. curious
2: what you'd say. I, I think for me, like I think it's a yes, right? I think it's in general, like I think it's a, it's a, it's a DNA thing, right? I mean, you're gonna have people that are in large companies that really want to push the limit, right? And I think the question is not about the person, but it's about the organization wanting to have that person in their organization or ready to have them, right? Because right. you can have people that are. You know, let's say, you know, people who can build new business units for you from zero to a billion dollars. And, you know, you don't have to do it outside of a company because the company, in theory, has more more resources and reputation. But uh, I think where things really get killed, right, is if the corporation actually wants these people to thrive within their walls. Mm. I think is the question, right? So, for me... That's something I'm thinking about, but I wasn't sure in your thoughts, right? Like if, if that's something to consider.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. I, it's not about the person. It's about the organization. I like that. It's true. Yeah. Um, if you're entrepreneurial uh, within an organization after some time, you kind of lose that creativity as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, at least like for me. Yeah, no,
2: no, no, that's true. I'm actually, there's a, I, I, I was in.
1: Because like you can't really move, right? Yeah, so. I was in
2: this uh, World Economic Forum um, uh, kind of groups. And uh, I think they said that the average chief information officer uh, in a company is typically four years tenure. Um, and it's it's typically because, you know, they come in there, they typically get someone, you know, who are technology oriented or innovation oriented, and then, mm-hmm. You know, in four years, uh, you know, they can't do the speed that they want and they end up leaving. So, uh, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think, but you're right. I really like what you said. It's not really about the person. It's about, you know, the, the setup, yeah. right? It's really the setup. Um, yeah.
0: Um, and then maybe another follow up question that I was curious about was, after BlackRock, um, you jumped into the syrup world. Um, how did how did that? I guess how did you make that decision, and uh, what was that experience like?
2: Yeah, because a lot of people are scared, right? In fact, I am also scared. Like I, I left, uh, you know, my managing director job in, in Schwab and trying to start a company. It's kind of scary, right? And a lot of people are are probably in this boat kind of want to do it, but they're, they're scared. Right. So what is your thoughts and how did you get that level of comfort that that's the right decision?
1: I would think that, um, so my gig within Black BlackRock was a consulting gig and it was really short lived. Right. So, um, I don't think it really affected me or I was dependent on, for example, you know, uh, comfort for a really long time right so i really think that if you're with a big organization you've been there for like five ten years um and then you've uh, climbed up the the management ladder i think that's when it becomes very difficult to leave but then for me i would think that i really like building things right and mm-hmm. um i see opportunities everywhere right but mm-hmm. it's more mm-hmm. about is this opportunity right for me Do I have the right skill set and the right networks, uh, to go for that particular opportunity. Um, but then, you know, um, I'm really creative in the sense that, okay, so this is the situation. And then I always find, you know, a way to, I don't know, like, um, make it fun, you know? Um, so I don't think it has been a problem. Just because, uh, so for example, um, I was in the Bay Area, jumping into coins was like, I really, really think, uh, this was in 2013, 2014, uh, I really think cryptocurrency is, uh, a Bitcoin, you know, um, has a lot of use case, right? I really see blockchain, right? But uh I can't grasp it that much yet, but there's still a lot to learn. And that's when I actually jumped into, uh, into working with Ron, right? Uh Um, uh With CapChain as well. Um, I I think it was very much like curiosity. Um, Maybe it's true that everyone is actually a gambler by nature. (laughs)
0: I can see that,
1: yeah. And, um, you know, I was really fascinated. I was curious, and at the same time, I was sort of, like, calculating the potential upside. But at the same time, if I lose out, what do I really lose? You know, I'm still young, you know, um, I don't have kids, you know. So I just thought that it is now or never. Maybe I should just, like, go and just do it, right? Um, If all else fails... I'll just move to my parents' home.
2: <laughs> yeah. You know, I think that's an interesting thing. I think most entrepreneurs, you know, most entrepreneurs have this. I mean, it's I think in general, I think there's this notion of like, you know, what's the worst that could happen? I think my mindset versus okay. versus the uh, you know, like you know, you know, a mindset of just basically saying that, you know what, like there's too much risk here. I don't want to do anything. I think uh entrepreneurs like you know, let's see where it goes. If it doesn't happen, then, you know, what did I lose? Right. Then I think it's an interesting, you know, um, you know, thought process, right. Or philosophy.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well,
0: what's it to, maybe, maybe something I also want to ask is what's it like being, you know, in that position and not knowing whether it's going to work out, but still trying to have that confidence slash, uh, motivation. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, what's, I'm, I'm kind of wondering and, and myself, cause I, I worked at a, I was an intern for a oil and gas startup here in uh, Berkeley. And um, yeah, I think there was just a lot of uncertainty uh, at the time. So kind of like where, where do you find um, like confidence or the, the, I guess the grit that you mentioned earlier to really double down on things?
1: So you know when I started, uh, especially uh, with uh, with CapChain, you know that moment when I said, "Okay, I'm actually going to build this." You know that particular moment. Um, there's some sort of fear as well, right? Yeah. Like, what if am I making the right decision? Um, you know, uh, am I really making the right decision, right? Uh, but then, you know, um, I guess it's because, uh, one thing that I've realized, I've surrounded myself with great entrepreneurs, right? Like I grew up in an entrepreneurial home, for example. Um, I have friends who are amazing entrepreneurs. Uh-huh. Um, I have great mentors, right? Like, uh, like, um. Uh, In the Bay Area was my supervisor during my thesis time. He was telling me all his experiences. You know, um, he had exits as well, and then now this uh, Raspberry Pi, and then um, the founder of ARM, whom I've had. um, You know, uh, I've had the chance to have like dinner with, for example. Um, It's it's a different aura, you know, Mm -hmm. like um, when you're with entrepreneurs. Sure. They never think that it's within their DNA that they really don't think that they would fail. It's more about, oh, let's just experiment. Maybe it would work. You know? Um, True. Let's just give it away. Uh, so they have that kind of like guts. And then for me, I was thinking maybe I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. Maybe I don't have what it takes to be an entrepreneur. And then um, people that surrounded me were the ones who supported me, saying that anyone can be an entrepreneur, you know? Um, You know, and um, also at that time...
0: I guess you kind of... I
1: was copying uh, what I've seen, right? Uh So copying... uh, how you know, Bowie, for example, from World Startup Report does his thing, he's ha- also had an exit before that was actually acquired by LinkedIn. Um, Ron, for example, uh, you know, uh, when we were building coins, I've seen how he operated. Um, you know, coins was actually acquired by GoTech, right? Um, it's the largest um exit to date in the Philippines. So, you know, I've surrounded myself with uh amazing entrepreneurs um who've actually made it you know in the past, and um. Because of that, I sort of, like, subconsciously kind of, like, followed their path. So I think it's more about really surrounding yourself with people who who inspire you. values and things of that nature.
2: And it becomes
1: natural for you to just, okay, fine.
2: So, I think it's, it's just, uh, I think it's really also part of the, your your the, the environment around you both the people and also the environment that you put yourself in I think that's probably what also good entrepreneurs have right because if you're always around people who are quite negative right uh, and quite pessimistic it's actually very difficult to become an entrepreneur
1: <laughs> that's true. Oh, maybe it's work. they think it doesn't work. So maybe it won't work. You
2: know? <laughs> right. But, uh, but, yeah. but I obviously being around some of these people that you talked about. I mean, you just know that, that's, uh, you know, you can be like them someday. And, and I think most entrepreneurs are also very generous to help other entrepreneurs, which is very interesting.
1: I think that's really important. You know, it builds up confidence in other people too. So.
0: Yeah, um, that's that's a great point. Uh, I think earlier today I was watching a video about um, Finot you know Chamath from Social Capital, the the partner, the founding partner over there. He was talking about how it'd be great if people just copycat or copied each other more. Uh, I th- <laughs> I think that um, yeah, that uh, there's there's something to be tried with uh, trying to follow an example versus. Carve out everything on your own and and hope um uh, like shooting from the hip and hope hoping that something lands um versus uh having a blueprint kind of in your head already where we're think or kind of going along those lines,
2: yeah, so I mean I know we're close to time here, so I don't know maybe one question for Dan, one question for me, so Dan, any last questions for uh for beryl uh
0: do you do you have one first um or <laughs>
2: Yeah, mine is the final one, right? I mean, I think for me, uh, Beryl, like, I mean, if you had to give advice to future founders or future people or entrepreneurs inside of large organizations uh, to apply, uh, you know, these lessons or these mindsets that you've learned throughout your your life, um, you know, how would they discover their own unique uh, lessons, unique mindsets that they could apply to their own journey?
1: Right sometimes you don't know what you're actually capable of until you actually throw yourself in the water and then you just learn how to swim, right? So um, I really think that you should just go out there and do it. I think we spend so much time doing, you know, like... Thinking studying, about it. Or... Thinking about it, studying. Yeah, for, oh, sure, you know, for maybe. sure. just go and do it. Sure, That's sure. even. Uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I love the, there's always a saying in entrepreneurship you just go in and break things and hope for the best sometimes. And yeah. yeah, I feel like that's, that's, uh, that's um, very true. Uh, I, I guess my last question would, would kind of be related to, I know you, you, you've worked at Alpha Omega v, v Venture Partners. Is that uh, what you're doing? Right,
1: yes, with Anderson.
0: With, uh, with who again?
2: Oh, with Anderson Tan. Anderson Tan, yeah. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, is that, uh, that's a firm in based in Singapore that invests in fintech?
1: Uh, yes, that's right. Um, it's actually a Cayman uh, fund, right? But then um, we've been discussing that um, a lot of the LPs that we've um, been talking to, uh, this is very interesting, by the <laughs> way. Um, <laughs> a lot of LPs- During
0: the uh, coronavirus, because of COVID or? Because of- corona?
1: No, 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 in general, like their okay. mindset, right? Oh, okay. um, here in Asia, uh, they prefer to be the ones picking the investment, right? Rather yeah. than saying that this fund actually contains uh, these assets. And they would be like, I only prefer these assets versus all these assets, you know, or some some LPs would have a different uh, risk profile and ask you, okay, so what does the fund, uh, what has the fund invested in already, right? So now we're seeing... Um, it's very interesting because uh we're seeing that investors want to have the upper hand of choosing the investment hmm. being able to have a say um, right um on which asset they want um you know maybe give them options the streamlined options, and then um I guess. They just want to have like an upper hand. Um, that's that's actually how I uh, uh-huh. how I've observed uh, these past few days. That's so, really
0: really interesting.
1: About like moving from a from a fund to uh, you know getting these investors to invest per asset per deal. flow. Uh, it's kind
2: of like what you did like ten years ago. You <laughs> know, like, it's just like a <laughs> lo- different different way, but it's that's interesting. <laughs> That's why it is. Yeah, it's kind of like
1: crowdfunding, but then not really retail. It's very much like Quibs high and, th-
2: yeah, high net worth crowdfunding.
1: But you know, <laughs> they really want to share the per asset rather than, um, you know, within the fund. Uh, yeah. So. Uh,
0: um and Barrow, just the uh, last last second question came in. Uh, what what um what are some problems that you want to like see get, uh, uh kind of solved within southeast asia i'm not i'm kind of new to looking at uh startups in that area but what are or maybe what are some interesting things that uh people have been working on that you know somebody from the us doesn't have a clue about um in in that region and maybe in fintech or in anything right um um, or interesting investments possibly that you guys have uh, so
1: from uh so since i got back right from the uk us uh, I think lending is really big, uh, microfinance, especially now that there's COVID, right? And that we actually don't know what the outlook How of the does economy.
0: How does e-commerce work in the Philippines? Does it is that exist? Like oh yeah, well? yeah, mm-hmm. like e-commerce. credit cards or use payments. Office?
1: Uh, so we've seen, um, an emergence of a lot of payments platform. It's becoming really, really competitive, right? So in the Philippines, you have Gcash, Paymaya, you know, and, um, they've actually been backed by, uh, massive companies from China too, right? And backed by like these conglomerates. Um, so the space is becoming really competitive, but then I think, um, from experience, maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, people usually did e-commerce by, uh, cash upon delivery right now they have options uh, depositing funds in 711 or uh, going to uh, cash in locations like not necessarily 711 uh, like really small convenience stores like sorry sorry uh, not sorry 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 uh, con- smaller convenience stores and um, you know they get to deposit funds there's it's become really really creative um, they can buy how do you call these these uh. Like prepaid long, cards, gift
0: like, cards, cards? Yeah, or something
1: cards like that. gift cards similar to a gift card, right? Uh-huh. So they could actually use it to to pay. Um, so it's become payment has become really really creative, um, but there is no one big player yet, right? Like um everyone's still competing in the in the payment space. Uh, deliveries, uh, logistics, right, it is also really interesting. Um, uh, I think basic infrastructure right like um I think in the last five years internet has improved a lot uh, sure. i 've noticed um I think in twenty thirteen I remember we were we were complaining about the two megabits per second three per second right right now it has increased uh you can actually uh, stream at twenty megabits per second now um, so it has really improved drastically, but then you know, I don't know. Like um, now that I spent a lot of time at home, um, this COVID lockdown uh, period, uh-huh. my internet is starting to slow, or maybe I'm starting <laughs> to notice. There's a lot
2: more people <laughs> in the network. Yeah, makes sense.
1: Seeming, yeah, it's uh, it's really slowing um, in the past like few weeks. Um Logistics, I think there's still a lot to um, improve. Um, there are already companies that are tackling it, um, so I see logistics similar to uh, payments now. That a lot of the big players are now into it. So payments logistics. Uh, what else? Um, I really think like after COVID, more people will start looking into remote work. Uh, the traffic in Metro Manila is really horrid. Uh, you can be stuck on the road for like two two hours, three hours, right, to go from one end, like from Quezon City to Makati or to BGC. So um, I guess a number of people have been working remotely. Um, and uh, this, you know, like, I guess for those companies that got used to this kind of, uh, this kind of situation, uh, they'll be more willing to, to have their employees do remote work. Right. And I really think that would improve traffic. The, you're
0: also uh, less exhausted. Yeah.
1: Uh, You're less exhausted. Um, You reduce costs as well. Right. Like from traveling, you know, from buying food outside during your lunch or th- lunch break, dinner break, or, right. you know, so yeah, there's a lot of, I really think that, um, so I, I think two opportunities that I see or uh-huh. three. Okay. Uh, first one is really lending right. Microfinance because, um, factory workers, for example, Jeepney drivers, taxi drivers, uh, they've lost jobs. And if you don't get paid in one week, Two weeks, right? Then you really don't have cash in hand, right? And so they need they need help, right? They need liquidity. Number two, uh, there's going to be more entrepreneurs, uh, more people wanting to be entrepreneurs, and um, I think there are two reasons why. So based from the friends that I've actually spoken to who are in their corporate jobs, oh, I really don't like corporate. Anymore, sure. you know, maybe I do entrepreneurship and just try, right? Or it's really difficult in the workspace right now. You know, um, a lot of people are getting um, are you know uh, um, the cut down um, on you know work. So looking at alternatives, such as oh, maybe like a small um, e-commerce business selling you know something. So I really think that there's really uh, there's really an opportunity helping entrepreneurs be entrepreneurs. That's, um, a great,
0: that's a great idea, yeah.
1: All right, helping entrepreneurs be entrepreneurs, um, whether that's helping them set up their website, helping them, um, you know, how do I integrate payments so that I can start receiving my fees, you know, like all of that, right? For sure. And also all applications that are supportive of, of this, like maybe live streaming to help with, their you know tutorial services or I don't know yeah, like um, yeah those are very in. interesting entrepreneurship that's two. the third one is anything that supports remote work and collaborative you know uh, collaborating over the internet
0: yeah right? have you heard of a tandem chat by any chance
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah tandem I've not used it but uh-huh. um tandem is uh, what you use in uh, SF right now like i in the bay
0: yeah so, yeah. yeah Rajiv's uh good friend of Irwin eyes and um yeah also Filipino uh so shout out to all the Filipino <laughs> entrepreneurs out there
1: um, oh, Wow.
0: and yeah. yeah I think uh that uh your remote work is in any software or anything that contributes to it is very welcomed um at the time uh I believe that's that's all I had to ask uh Good.
2: Didn't and then that's uh, too much <laughs> yeah I guess beryl any uh any uh last parting words or advice to uh to people right
1: uh, well it's been a real pleasure you know uh, speaking to both of you um I haven't really had the time to really like for example you know sit down and really reflect until uh, you guys like reached out oh Beryl, uh, what what would be the mindset and then um, I think it's a very good reflecting uh re- reflective uh, activity you know that what we've done uh, today um i've learned a lot as well uh, from this conversation um so for entrepreneurs i think now is a really great time uh to be an entrepreneur right um and just go and do it i think that's it
2: perfect thank you thanks for your time and uh yeah more to come uh for this podcast thank you